So what we're saying is, therefore, is that maybe the world's influenced you and each of us to set goals around things that are worldly rather than the reality is becoming who we truly are. And, and we miss them because they're not really real for us. They're real things, but they're not really real for us. Because if the measure becomes, what have I got? I've got that recognition, that house, that car, um, this money in the bank. Well, you can't even take that stuff with you wherever you go when you shuffle off this mortal coil. And there's very little you can do with that in terms of to support your spiritual journey. So I, so I think people tend to fade in their goals so much because their goals aren't real for them. They're, who really says, you know, came into the world and said, I've got to have a million pounds. You didn't even know what a million pounds. How many kids now want to be millionaires? They've got no idea. I know, I know people who are 18 and 19 who couldn't tell you how many zeros to a million but they want, they want to be one. So I'm wondering whether failure is an external thing that we're grasping for that isn't real for us. And when you try to reach something that isn't real for you, you're prone to failure. What we're saying is, what I'm gonna put out there is that every single one of us is a 10, but we may show up as a three and to achieve the success that we, we, we're guided to talk about and we're guided to say this is what success means, because it's actually something different to what we've all been told. Um, you only to deal with sevens, clients and prospects and business deals and business partners and associates. You know, but here's a problem. Sevens don't deal with threes. Sevens deal with sevens. So if you're turning up and the way you live your life, in your relationships, your business, your health, your environment, your internal mindset, your career, your time, your money, and you're playing at a three, do not be surprised you never achieve what you think you could achieve because the clients you want, they don't even see you. So the idea, therefore, is to what do we do to internally shift ourselves to begin to see ourselves as we truly are. Maybe you can't see ourselves as a 10 immediately. Um, but what we can do is begin to, can we over time raise how we treat ourselves, raise how we speak to ourselves, raise how we project. This is not a lie. It's not like a fake it till you make it. This is, no, you are a 10 when you're going to recognize that. Yeah, and start showing up at a greater level. And all of a sudden, wow. So now you're a 7. And one of the greatest thrills about this for me was when I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm attracting all these clients with sevens. Why don't I give my little finger to become a client before now they're just saying, actually, the same things like, can we deal with you? Uh, have we got enough money to deal with you? Is it okay? And I'm like, oh, what's happening here? So they're now perceiving me to be more than, say, the seven. So it is about, we are in control of that part. No matter what the world does to us, there are some exceptions, always exceptions. Um, we, it's up to us to raise who, who we are and to do that. The way we do that, to, to answer your question, is we raise the standards of how we present to ourselves and how we present to the world. So, so a goal says, I'm going to get this one day and be this one day and have this one day. A standard says, actually, a standard is the basis, criterion, level, quality or rule that you set from within. So you start within. A basis, criterion, quality, level or rule that you set from within and you live and you present and you talk and you meet and you interact and you speak and you do everything in your world at, the, at a newer, higher standard. The world will test you. You're under no illusions, there's no fluffy way of living. When you set your standard, the world will test you for two reasons. One, the people that know you and around you are used to you being this way all of your life. So hitherto, they've known you to be this level with your money, your career, your time, your, your relationships. So don't be surprised when people try and treat you the old way because mm. that's what they were used to. So be patient with them. The second thing is that um, you know, when we look at uh, individuals, 
we have to decide whether we're going to fall, yeah, back into our old self or stick to our truth. So I, I woke up, I don't know, 10 second, 10 second moment occurred. Yeah, so I was about to say, yeah, when, yeah. when did this Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then 12 months later, I had a client come to me to come to the office in, in, in Sully Hall. Um, he had about seven, seven million pounds, let's say billion then, seven million pounds of investable assets, which was at that time the, the biggest client I'd seen at that, t- mm. at that time. And, you know, the kind of client with, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got that client before. I wouldn't have got a meeting because I wasn't ready, I wasn't there. It would never have happened. Here I am, 12 months after, after waking up to my truth, I'm sitting with this guy and his wife in the, in, in the, in the, in the boardroom, and uh, it's, we're kind of 20 minutes into the meeting. And I'm beginning to feel uncomfortable, but happy. This chap had uh, been asking questions to himself and to his wife about their values and their identity and how they feel. The money things wasn't, wasn't an issue. And he was saying things like, well, you'd answer the question, then I'd ask her a question. He go, oh, no, 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 don't ask her, just, uh, he answered for her. Then he began to speak over her to the degree when the first 20 minutes I'd ask her a question, she'd just go, mm, mm, mm. as in, don't ask me, just ask, just ask him. He's not letting me speak. So I had a moment. I just thought, wow, biggest case I've ever had in front of me. Wow, this is exciting. I can wait to do the next bit. And I got, began to close my folder up and I said, um, Mr. Brown, Mr. C in the book, but his name is Mr. Brown, you won't know him. And <laughs> said, Mr. Mr. Brown, based on what I've seen so far in this meeting, I can see no basis for us doing business together. Because inside I knew if he's going to treat his, his wife that way in front of a complete table. stranger, he's going to make my life hell if I dealt with him. And I thought, what he doesn't know is I've been to hell in the previous 17 years in hell, and he ain't going back. Yeah, so it's closing forward. And I said, so, well, uh, so, um, so I'm seeing no basis for us doing I said, He said, what do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, well, so I told him a bit of the history and what I've done. I got to the place where I'm choosing my client. You're, I know you came here to assess me. I'm also assessing you. And I can see no basis for us working together. So I you know, stood up. And he said, oh, but you better. He was a very jowly guy, very, very big. Some kind of like a Jabba the Hutt type character. <laughs> and, and, Anyone, you know, <laughs> then everyone sees Jabba the Hutt character walking And he's like, he's Mr. Brown, it's him, yeah. yeah. And he's like, no, you better shred my documents. I said, oh, yeah, I'll return the originals to you, of course. And I said, fine. And yeah, I saw them out there at the boardroom, at the building, signed them out, walked back to the boardroom, which was called the Stratford boardroom back then. And I, I actually did this. I leapt in the air, punched the air, turned around, and I patted myself on the back because I knew... That was a test, not just of my standards, because having people that are nice people as my clients is, is, is that's not right up there with, mm. with, with there. And the second thing was, it was a test. It was the universe saying to me, yeah. are you going to stick to your money. truth? Yeah. You can stick to your truth? Temptation. And I said, yes. And since that point, I've met people who are significantly nicer. The reality of it is, try it out. You see an outfit yeah, in, a, in a store, try it on and see how you feel living that way. Give it a go for a while. Because one thing you'll know about my standards by reading the book is I started out with this level of standards. And over time, as I got comfortable, competent, confident, and then consolidated, so we went through the four C's with it, with each standard, I would raise them up and raise them up and raise them up. So in other words, don't, uh, for some people, you can jump in 100% and go straight for it and just quit that job and leave that relationship and get, go for it. Not what I did. Yeah. Because I'm still doing the same thing when it was when I was broken, depressed, in the same uh, you know, financial services. But the idea is try it on. And if you think of a stairway, go to step one and get comfortable, confident, competent, and consolidate that position. Now raise it up. It. Now live there and get comfortable, confident, competent, consolidate. Now raise it up. Try it on for a bit. So I know people don't like the word try. You know, Yoda says, 
there is no try. I'm saying, Yoda, there is a try. There is a try. Give it a go. Do the first step and see what happens from there. Don't look at the whole staircase. Just look at the first step. And when you get there, you'll, you'll see, how do I feel about this? Okay. Consolidate. And I move to the next step. So give it a try. I'm not going to be yeah. anything more direct than that. Because I, I didn't do anything different to that. I just gave the new me a try. And my old standards, I've changed them so many times over the years. So looking back um, and joining up the dots, I started at a different place. If I told you my standards back then, they're not my standards right now. Lots of them. Some are the same, of course, but others are different. So how do you find or how do you work out your standards? Do you write them down? Do you visualise them? Yeah, well, all of those things. Think... But yeah, so um, remember, I, before I kind of woke up and had my 10-second moments, I'd done 17 years of goal setting. Everything from Tony Robbins, the, the CDs, the downloads, every program you could think of, did so many of them. But no, still broke and depressed at the end, <laughs> end of that period of time. And I'd written them down and I'd visualised them and I'd closed my eyes and I'd imagined the money and all the rest of it. And I still could remember the words that I spoke over that... Um, that that visualization but actually it's um so i stopped that because in my 10 second moment which was you know uh, one, well let's talk about yeah, that yeah, 10 yeah. second moment what actually happened yeah you? it's funny I, i've not thought before so it must be something here that um although it was a 10 second moment so many things had happened up to that point that caused that moment to happen to occur and to be recognized because um I'd had a crash on the motorway the previous year because I was so tired driving back from a client. I was seeing like 10 o'clock at night and trying to overtake someone in the fast lane. I was already in the fast lane, but I was so tired to not even notice that, crashed into the barrier and all the rest of it. Bad relationships you know, led by me, you know, and all this thing going on, not being happy. Perhaps a couple of friends, actually, were probably one at the time. And, um, and getting to that point in 2003, November the 11th, and going, you know what, this isn't even my life. This isn't me. Um, it's not what I'm meant to be. Um, I've been setting goals for this for like 17 years, but but this this is not me. And I remember slamming the drawer of the filing cabinet and just saying, I've had enough of being and living this way, this life that I absolutely knew. I don't care. I didn't have the intelligence or the, the some guru type words, but I just knew this was not my life. I'm not meant to be here. I'm meant for better than this. In terms of project that I'm on, the second book I'm writing in the in the 10 second philosophy series um, for Hay House is um, the working title. I've not told anybody this yet. Oh, apart wow. Apart from Ooh. those closest, closest to me, so it's a bit of an exclusive. Okay, exclusive. Yeah, yeah. The, the Are you work, ready for this, yeah. everyone? <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, the, the working title is Where's the Love in That? Where's the Love in That? I love yeah. Because I'm going to address is how we treat one another, how we treat ourselves, how the politicians, how they speak to each other, what they do, and how nations, and from a level of what am I doing here today with this relationship here, to why is he saying that, and people are following it, there's 100% zero love in that. And in fact, there's a lot of hate there. So when you're being a leader and you're spouting hate, where's, where's the, the love, love in, in that? that? When you make a policy, about this and you're going to cage children or take away 20 million people's healthcare benefits in the worst pandemic for 100 years, where's the love in that? When you look at someone in your, in your building and you treat them in a certain way because you're feeling at the squeeze a bit and you let somebody go and you know they're struggling but you could keep them on but you choose not to, where's the love in that? So it's really exploring everything. Going back to this 10 second philosophy, pulling out the, the key um, principles from, from that and then sharing really sharing and addressing our behavior and saying where's the love in that 
because if we can begin to question, because you know what, what I noticed is I was watching so many conversations over the last seven or eight months, and like you said, more so in the last two or three months, and I was thinking, well, I could answer that. But if I answer that, that's gonna look like, look like opposition, and they're gonna throw me a ball back, and there's gonna be like a debate. But I would just, when people, just people put stuff out there, and I, I would just, and you've probably seen some of my posts on Facebook, and I would just go, uh, blah, 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 so and so's doing this. What? Where's the love in that? Because then you've got to answer if yeah. you've done that. Where, where's the love in that? That's, that's the key thing, it's the greatest gift. Where's the love in that? Now you've got to answer that, not to me. You've got to answer that to you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday, so hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.